You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers the king. Oh. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. So yesterday I had the good fortune of talking to, well he's a a world-renowned artist, he's an author, he's also an actor um, and his name is Stan Yaramundu. Um, He has an art gallery on Ackland Street in St Kilda which is awesome. If you're in Melbourne and you haven't been there, go and check it out. Go and say good day to him, he's in there most of the time and... um, and, and, I, and I think you'll be, you think that's a great experience. Um, and get some of his artwork. It's fucking off the hook. Um, so when I arrived there to see Stan yesterday, I walked into the gallery and there was no one in there. I was sort of looking around going, there's no one here. And then all of a sudden I heard like a bit of a whistle. And I was like, what's that? And I, I look out across the street and he's on the other side of the road and there's these grey concrete bollards on the other side of the road and he's just over there with a paintbrush and palette and he's uh and he's giving this bowl out a lick of paint putting some beautiful artwork on it um just because he thought it looked too boring and i gotta say it looked shit loads better by the time we finished with it so um that was a cool little um moment so if you're getting down ackland street and you see his art gallery and you see the ball out on the other side of the road that's what i'm talking about i witnessed it um so yeah, it was amazing to talk to Stan. He's an inspiration. He really is an inspiration. Um, he's doing so much, so so much good for the community and and for all those that he's involved with on so many levels. He's a he's a real giver and a real goer. Like you know, I, I left feeling very inspired after spending um, an hour with him. You know, he's just he's he's a yes guy. Um, get shit done. And you, you'll 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 know what I mean by by time you get to the other end of the conversation. But look, um, he has an amazing book called A Man Called Yara. A Man Called Yara. And if you haven't read it, uh, I, I highly, I, I recommend it. Put it on your book list. It's a great read. Um, it's amazing life. Stan's life is amazing and it's still going. It's always strange to say that about someone's life is still alive, but his life is amazing and there's a book about it. Uh, have a read. Anyway, I'll stop crapping on. Um, thanks so much and I'll see you on the other side. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. Hi, this is David Bowie. Pretty things have gone to hell. Hello. Hello. And so who, who did the, their casting? ABC. Someone in ABC. Um, and obviously your agent rang you and said, we've got this bit for you. Yeah. And the, did, how'd you feel after the audition? Well, well, I went for the first audition. Yeah. And everybody was um, over the line except for one person. And then... They asked me to go and do another audition. Always which, a good sign. Yeah, which is a piece was for a um, it's a very strong role as an elder. And then I went for the second audition, and four days later I got an answer saying you're successful, and we'd like you we'd like to use you in in the uh, in the role as an elder in a mini series called Mystery Road with um, Aaron Pedersen. It's the second series and there's eight episodes and I've got the whole eight and when the agent told me that I had the role I just had this overwhelming um, thought that you know I'm very grateful to be able to have the opportunity to do it and to be over in Broome to be acting with actors in the category that these guys are in and the directors that are doing this um, mystery road I couldn't have hoped for anything more stronger than that because it's an Aboriginal cast and to be with the best in the country, it makes me feel really proud, yeah. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, no, I'm very happy about it. When was your last role before this one? Um, the one before this one was probably about four years ago. It was called, um, what was it called? It was called uh, Dirty Gertie. It was a, a theatre play that walked up Gertrude Street, Fitzroy. 
and it, and it dated it from the early 1930s right through to present, walking up the street, up Gertrude Street, Fitzroy, and the diff, uh, significant sites along Gertrude Street, like the Champion Hotel, the Builders Hotels, um, the, the, the flats that are there. You know, So it started out from this right back in the war days, in the 1940s, right through to present. And so I had to change character uh, about seven times. <laughs> and by the time I got down the end of Goethe Street, it was into the present. So I've done that, but acting's not my, my big thing. My, art, my thing is really to do with the arts, like painting and stuff like that. And, you know, and selling them in my gallery and, and meeting people and, you know, just connecting with people that connect with my paintings. You and, seem like yeah. you've been creative. I mean, you're very creative full stop by the... Yeah, that started when I was seven <laughs> yeah. with my father on the road, hitchhiking from Ballarat to Adelaide. Hitchhiking yeah. from Ballarat to Adelaide. Yeah, and the first night, if anybody knows Ballarat, it gets cold down there, and the first night... We slept on the side of the road. Oh, my God. And I said to myself, when I'm a big boy, I'm going to drive my own car. So I, I, uh, I kept that in my, in my little brain back then. And we arrived in Adelaide at Whitmore Square. How long did it take? Uh, well, we never got a ride that night. So the next day we had to wait and we got a ride with a truck. And then we, lent up, and then we got a ride up to Adelaide. I think it was about, I don't know, six, seven, eight hours, something t- in a truck to get there. Yeah. And then we arrived up there in Adelaide, went straight to Whitmore Square. And there was a few brothers and sisters sitting in the park up there. My father's a white guy. And so he's sitting there with all these Aboriginal guys, which my mother's Aboriginal. And we're sitting in the park and you know, they were drinking and stuff like that. And then that night we found an empty house and we slept in the empty house that night. And we stayed there for a couple of extra nights. And then we'd go from there back to Melbourne and we'd go to the Champion Hotel, the builders, the Robber Roy. You know, the sailors would walk in there and... Yeah, they'd be uh, coming in with all their money and stuff like that. And my dad would get me up on, you know, and like get, telling the sailors that I was a fighter and stuff like that. I'm like 10 years old, I'm hitting their hands. While I'm hitting their hands, my dad's taking their wallet out of their pocket. <laughs> and then we'd have to leave Melbourne and then we'd have to go up to Sydney. And then we'd go to Sydney, we'd be in Redfern, places like that. And then uh, up to Queensland, Mossgrove Park and was all over the place, you know, I went all over. I've seen every park in this country before I was 16 years old. And then I went back to Shepparton. And uh, most of those guys down there haven't even left Shepparton. Hmm. So, um, did, were you, was, obviously, it was ups and downs in this period. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And But, you know, kids, you get on with it. Yeah. Were you having fun? Oh, yeah, well, I didn't know any better. Yeah. I just thought it was a very big excursion. Yeah. You know, it was, it was better than going to school. Yeah. You know, my school was on the streets and learning the way my dad done his thing. And I learned from him. Um, so I don't think he'd done much schooling either. Yeah. So really, when you're on that bar still mm. punching, you are probably, uh, that's when you were acting first. Oh, probably was, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. And when I first um, got into the acting, I remember watching Ernie Dingo on TV. And I thought, well, if he can do it, why, I can do it too. So I rang up ABC Channel 2, and before you know it, a week later, I was on, I think it was Channel 7, Flying Doctors. Yeah, with a scene with Murph Hughes, <laughs> playing a cricket scene. And from there, I went into Corrali, Janus, Full Frontal, Fast Forward, Blue Healers, Law of the Land. Fast um, Forward. Fast Forward, yeah, yeah, with Ted Emery, and um, what's his name, Eric Banner. Yep. All those guys back then, and uh, in with Hugh Jackman, with um, Corrali. Um, I was with them when they, when they first got together, Deborah and, and uh, Hugh. They were there together and was doing a prison scene. And I was, uh, I was one of the bad boys in there. And Hugh Jackman in that particular episode wasn't that bright. And Deborah, Mar- Deborah was the, um, what was she? She was the uh, social worker in this, in this scene. And then we got together. And, uh, and then that's how I met Hugh Jackman. And then from there, I just I'd sit with him at lunch and would talk about things, and I'd get information from people like that. Because they've been to NIDA and all those big schools and universities and stuff. I've never been to any of these things, so I'd say to him things like, "How do you learn your lines, brother?" And he'd tell me, "Go, oh, I just keep reading it over and over, or get someone to read it for you." And and then I'd be on on uh, fast forward there with um, Eric Banner, and you know that was ending at that time. And he goes, well, I don't know, what am I going to do now? I said, oh, something will come, Eric, don't worry about it, mate. Look at him now, he's doing well. And I've seen Hugh since them days, and he's always acknowledged me with my first name, he never forgot, and he seems to be a really good guy, him and his wife. 
it's unbelievable yeah. you just the way obviously from when you were young mm. and you had that i'm gonna uh drive a car when i'm a big boy yeah being able to manifest things visually kind oh, of yeah well it's like doing art yeah yeah it's just manifesting what i believe in because i had a father that really praised me a lot from a very young age like would he'd be sitting around with all his mates in the pub telling them all my son's the best fighter he, he can run he can he can uh, he's a good looking man and you know all these sort of things you know good looking boy and, and he, he praised me all the time so i had someone i had one parent that praised me all the time yeah so if i believe i could do anything i'll just do it and people say oh no you can't do that i go okay that's your opinion which you might have been told by people that you can't do it but in my head i know i can do it i just got to do it and that could be a barrier for some people but I actually get off on barriers because I know when I smash through it, I'm going to get to the other side and look back and think it wasn't that hard. And I think, what, what was I, what did I have any fear for? Yeah, and then I got into another program with some other people that talked about fear and ego and self-pity and resentment and stuff like that. I've learned a lot of that stuff on my journey. And I believe the way um, that's got me through to where I am today is I never forgot where I come from. And I work on those three things, ego, self-pity and resentment. They reckon if you got one of them, you got them all. So I had a really strong man in my life back then that told me um, that I wasn't that special. You're just another grain of sand on the beach. But if you want to go and help somebody, you'll feel good and then you will become somebody. But you've got to give it away to keep it. It's not all about you. Yeah, that's what I learned from a really good man by the name of Jackie Chris. He's no longer with us. And I had the privilege of playing the didgeridoo at his funeral and to tell that story as well yeah so i've had lots of good experiences with a lot of um strong elders in my path you know as we're growing up as young teenagers into young men and then into into uh into older men i believe that you need to take advice from other people i don't know it all you know i'd like to learn from everybody and that's and that's a good thing to do you know why do I think I know it all? The more I know, the more I don't know. I want to learn more. And every day is about learning. Um, I can learn from what I've done yesterday, but I don't know what's coming tomorrow. But when that day comes, I want to learn in that day and then take it further again, just keep going forward from that point. Like a kangaroo and an emu in this country, they don't jump backwards, they go forward. And that's how I feel. I feel like I'm a kangaroo. Just want to keep popping along and as I'm going along, just do the next right thing. Yeah, it's easy to do the next right thing. You've got a conscience. You know what you're doing. Don't give me excuses after you've done the wrong thing and say you're sorry. Because sorry doesn't, you know, it's just a word. It's like if you were, um, if you smashed a plate and threw it on the ground and smashed it, and you said, oh, sorry, well, get down there now and clean it up. <laughs> Don't just leave it there. Get on your hands and knees and wipe it up. Clean your mess. And that comes to clean your mess up in your family your relationships and the wider community as well and I haven't had a drink in 25 years I stopped when I was 28 and in that 25 years I've been cleaning up a lot of stuff and if I make a mistake there's a lot of people watching so that keeps me aware to try and do the next right thing because I've got the message from those elders around me um, for myself now to try and be an example and move forward and if I, do, if I get scripts for movies or TV or theatre, I would get someone to read it for me and I'll memorise it and I'll go and do the best job I can. So, um, sorry, yeah. you memorise it off their words coming out of their mouth as opposed to you yeah. walk the page. It's yeah. probably more organic yeah. and healthier way to learn than looking yeah. at words and having them in your subconscious. Yeah, that's right. I've heard what they've said and I'll visualise what, what they've just read to me. Yeah. Um, and like I said, when I'm with the director... And then he'll he'll tell me which way he would like it, and I can quickly adjust to it because I've already got that thoughts in my head anyway, you know, of what I thought it was going to be. But when I'm on the scene on the set, it's a different story. Well, you know yeah. that um, if I asked you how did you get here today, you'd go yeah. and you'd you'd see it. Yeah. You wouldn't see lines no. off the script. You'd no. see pictures. Yeah. So the better that you can have the pictures in your head yeah. as opposed to the words. Yeah. You're winning. That's right. And when it comes in on the, on the TV or whatever, it's their pictures as well. Right. We're putting pictures together for yeah. people to visually see us and then hear what we're talking about. And then they can relate to whatever they're watching in from their subconscious, from their 
from what they've had their journey. And that's why certain people like certain shows. And I think um, Mystery Road is going to be a great one because I've seen the episodes from the last series um, and what I'm know, I'm going to be able to add something good for this one. I, I believe I can do it good. Someone must have thought it was going to be okay anyway because I'm doing the job now. Are you allowed to talk about your character at all? Um, I'm going to be playing an elder. Yeah. Um, no, we're not talking about it. Yeah, and that's that's it. I think that's all I can probably say on about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can I? Can we go back? Mm. I want to go back to when you're in Shep. Yeah. And uh, and and the gang that you decided to form and be a yeah. leader. Of. Yeah. The Warriors. The Warriors. Yeah. From the, movie, from the New York that, that's, movie. That's it. I seen it on on the, on a video VHS back then. We didn't have DVDs. Yeah, yeah. We had a VHS, and I, I watched it, and then I, me and my brother watched it, and I said. Wow! Look at these! Look at these guys! They're cool. So then I'd go and get my cousins and and um, and and their friends, and I'd bring them back to my sister's place, and would watch it again. And the ten, you know, ten kids would come in and watch this show. The next day I'd go and get another ten, bring them into my sister's place because she's the only one who had the video. Um, and they'd watch it. Before you knew it, we like had about thirty young guys involved with this gang called the Warriors and. I wanted to be the leader and, and then, then my brother wanted to be second in charge and my cousin was third in charge and we had all the different characters and, and we, we acted that stuff out and we'd even, we'd even have um, like Copper's sons wanted to come in on, on the, in this gang as well because you know, a lot of people were talking about us in a small country town and some of those sons, I'd get them to go home and talk to their parents while they're sitting around the, the dinner table because their parents be talking about the Warriors and they're going to go and bust them tomorrow at this particular place or they're going to go and do that over there or whatever. So their sons would be telling me all this stuff and I'd know before they were going to do it the next day. You know what I mean? It was amazing how i just come up with the idea to do stuff like that. I feel like my whole life's been like that. Everything just falls into place. And if there's a creator, I think the creator knows my motive. My motive is not to do anything wrong. It's to try and help others. And that's why people say, geez, you're lucky. It's got nothing to do with luck. It's to do with who you are as a person and what you want to do while you're on this journey to help others. You know, we've got a world here where there's people suffering on other parts of the world, like Africa and, 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 and different countries like that, and like in third world countries where there's not much going on for them. Could be from the weather, from the, from the droughts, from the, from the food, all that sort of stuff. And we're all eating in different places like Australia and America and in places in Europe and stuff like that. And we're not really considering those little people that are really hungry where we've got enough to go and give to them. You know, we're going to have these big charity events and I've been to plenty of them. We're raising money to help sick children and stuff like that. I don't know why we have to be raising money for sick children that when the governments and that stuff that are taking all the taxes out of a lot of different people, we should be the money should be there straight away for those poor um, beautiful little children that have got sicknesses. You know, I don't know why we do why we do charity things. You know, we should just be able to help them freely. Um, because if it happened imme- uh, immediately to any one of us that are doing well, would be the first one would would want help. You know, and that's how them people would be feeling too. The, the parents, mm. they'd feel like, why aren't you here to help us? You know, if it happened to you, you'd be you'd you'd want it straight away. You know, so I, I think that's the way it should be. It should be there, ready to go. And whose fault people. do you think that the government's letting us down in that front? I, I mean, I would well, say so. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking it's the ego of the government. Yeah, right. You know, get these people in positions where they're, you know, they're up there. They've got, the, you know, their bosses and all this sort of stuff of everything, and you know, of transport and and uh, um, health, and then you got the people in charge of um, the police ministers and all these people. I'm sure they've got some. Uh, thoughts in their in their head and their soul and their spirit and their heart to do the right thing but um, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians there to sort of uh, make the decision and just make it happen instead of getting everything it, it's too confusing for people just to be straight up and just go well, let's just do it how do we do it let's get to the quickest point of doing something instead of all this paperwork and all this other po- politics that goes around to for helping young people while we're doing all of that young people are suffering and you know they you know they're not you know that some of them some of them are dying like you know like i said about the people over in third world countries where they haven't got any food and stuff like that well i think it's happening in our own country yeah well it is here uh, too uh, in, the no- in the northern parts of yeah. um, northern territory and mm-hmm. it's, it's, 
yeah, I have a friend who's a social worker, and she yeah. says if everybody knew what was happening up there, really, in, yeah, what's happening? What sort of things like with um, drug thing or drug thing? But it's yeah. also like they just have no. There's no resources up there. Mm. There's no fresh food, no fresh yeah, thing, right. and yeah, yeah. illness is abundant. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We we don't get that in the mainstream me- media. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's not good, is it? I mean, we're in the cities: Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. Um, Adelaide, all those big cities. We've got the lights, we've got the electricity. You know, we've got the transport, the all the flash toys. You know, the mobiles and all that stuff. But you put all of us out in the bush where they are, and I don't think we'll survive very good either. They're walking around looking yeah. for a reception. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's so addicted to that. It's amazing. It's. it's, it's you, you have a phone, obviously. Yeah, I do. But I. I do you do social know, media? I'm a little bit into the uh, what do you call it, Instagram. Oh yeah, on the you're because, on the ground. Yeah, yeah, because of the business that I've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's been times where I've left my phone at home and I've forgotten about it. You and had a breakdown? No, no, no. no I felt good. No, I felt great. I think, why did I need this for? I remember when I was 16 and you had to meet your mates at 2 o'clock. You'd be there at 2 o'clock. You couldn't turn up at How 10 past. was it? Yeah, you were I there. I the corner at the pub yeah. at 4. Yeah, Fuck. and you're there. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't get in touch with them any other way. No. And if you, and if you didn't turn up... Pay phone to the yeah. pub. Hey, tell him. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> tell him I'm on my way. I'll be there in an hour. You know, I'm half an hour behind or something like that. But you'd make that commitment and do it. Now, if you're not going to be there, they just text you, say, oh, sorry, I can't make it. You know, because they're too busy doing all this stuff with Instagram or Facebook or their Tinder dates or whatever that bullshit's going on out there. You'd uh, ring a girl's house mm. and get the mum. Yeah. Oh, um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can I just speak to uh, Brenda? Yeah. And, and she'd be like, who are you? Oh, I'm just a friend. Yeah. And then Brenda would get on and you'd hear her in the background telling her mother, mum, stop it. Why are you saying that? Shut the door. Yeah, shut the door. I just want to talk. And you'd be at the pay phone up there um, paying 20 cents or something for a phone call to talk to someone for 10 minutes and then someone else would want to use the phone. And they'd be giving you the dirty look and you want to keep talking to that girl for another 20 minutes, but you'd have to leave it. And, you know, it was a real thing. It was real. It's, it's got too much on tap now. You know what I mean? And it's too much. Is, it's, it's, um, the more we get, the more... It's confusing. It, yeah, it's confusing us. Uh, it's, it's not making us bond anymore. Or we binge. I fucking binge. I yeah. have to put the TV in the garage because yeah. I fucking yeah. can't stop looking at yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, I'm getting hooked on that uh, voice. I'm watching, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm watching that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's about the only show I do get hooked on. But, um, yeah, I just like to try and keep it as natural as I can. I'm going through the stage now. I've done a lot of things, been around the world. Um, now, I, can I just say, yeah. you, you met Prince? Yeah, I met Prince, yeah. That was, a, that was an experience. It was a very uh, powerful experience. I think something higher than myself made that happen, though. Um, my wife, uh, Sophia, she uh, really, really loved his music. I met her when she was 16, and we had a couple of children together. And then at the age of uh, 33, she, uh, she took her own life. And her favourite song was, We're Going to Party Like It's 1999. We buried her 1999, New Year's Eve. It was amazing how that all come around. Six months later, uh, six or 12 months later, Prince was in Australia. And I was selling my art at the Queen Victorian Market. And these two black sisters come through the market. And they just looked a little bit different. It had the American accent and all the rest of it. Bit of swagger. Yeah. And I just looked at them and I said, oh, what are you guys doing over this? Oh, we're makeup artists. And I said, you wouldn't happen to be here with Prince, would you? And they both looked at each other. And I clicked. I went, yeah, they are. I said, listen, I've got a didgeridoo I'd like to give to him. How can I make that happen? And she goes, here, here's this number. Give it a call at 4 o'clock. So I met them at about 12 o'clock. So I rang this number at 4 o'clock. And Prince answered it. I said, Hello. Um, I'm here to talk to Prince. He goes, you're talking to Prince. And I go, wow. And he goes, would you like to come down to the Park Hyatt? I want to meet with you. Because my friends told me that you know they, they liked you and you said that they liked you and they they told me that you had a didgeridoo for me. And I'd actually like to learn that because I, I'd play a lot of instruments. I said, yeah, okay. So I went to the Park Hotel, went there, went up into his room and uh, he's sitting there and we, I greeted him and he said, you know, thanks for coming. And... He said, can you play that? And I said, yes. Yeah. So I started to play it for him. And then he tried to play it. And I told him what to do, how to make it happen. Put your lips together like a raspberry and blow and all the rest of it. Basically, he could play a trumpet and all the rest of it. He picked it up within two, three minutes. Is it the same breathing as a trumpet? Uh, yeah. Uh, trumpet's like a bit tight with the lips. Yeah. Like, like more of a tightness. Mm-hmm. And... and uh, Did you have to be able to circular breathe? Oh, no, uh, 
well, you do on the Deej, yeah. but Trump applies it, I don't think they no. do. They just give it one big breath. But yeah. some people can do it. I think James Morrison can do it. Okay. I think he learnt by the Deej how to play the trumpet um, with the circle of breathing. Mm. That's what I got told about mm-hmm. James Morrison. He's a top trumpet player. And yeah, we just had that experience and went to his concert and done all that sort of stuff. And you, then I met, You went to uh, his concert? Yeah, yeah, went to his concert and I sat with his wife. Um, so was the, this in, here or there? That was in Melbourne here, yeah, in okay. Melbourne, yeah. At the we saw him at the Park Hyatt here in Melbourne. Yeah, and then we went to the uh, then we went to the concert, and then we went to an after party, um, and all that sort of stuff. It's just a bit of fun, you know. But um, I can go back two or three years earlier than that when he was here before again, and he was he done a gig, and then he had a he had a um, after party at the Palais Theatre, and I had this black jag, and um, everyone's waiting for Prince to come. And I had Which this black jag. It was, yeah. it was a 420G 1970 model, black jag, tinted windows, the whole thing. Yeah, pimp and reveal. Yeah, <laughs> and it had big cat on the, on the number plate. And uh, there's people at the back, so I'm going for the crowd at the back saying, oh, I think he's going to come in a black jag like that. You know, just playing it all up, you know. Yeah. I was about 26 at the time, whatever. And um, and then he comes, and then I get, and then, then I get, in the, I get Sophia to drive the, 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 the black jag, and I'm in the back seat under a blanket. <laughs> And I'm driving through the crowd, and they're all jumping all over the car, and everyone's screaming, and everything. It was Prince, and I pulled, you know, jumped out of it, and they go, "You're not Prince." And the black goes, "You lied to me. You told me you was coming in a black jag." And so it was a bit of fun, yeah. Yeah. So why I mentioned that was because years later, I actually got to meet him, and that's how I met him. So it's amazing. Did you tell him the story? No, I didn't mention. <laughs> no, no, I was too busy teaching him how to play the dig. Yeah. But yeah, just things like that are amazing experiences like that. So it makes me think you can never um, keep your your vision big and and anything can happen you know don't don't cut it off before you try anything you know just keep pushing forward and and you know i don't really know the the, the word no um might be no for you but it's not for me yeah like i remember we were doing the march you know we have the nadoc march and the which march nadoc march we have it every year yeah to do with nadoc yeah so we're coming down good um coming down uh was elizabeth street turn right into Burke Street, go down to the bottom to Swanston and then turn left. So there's a couple of thousand people on this march this particular year and there was an elder there and I said to her, what do you think, Arnie, that we get down there and we do a smoking ceremony down on uh, 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 Russell Street? Russell Street. Yeah, Russell Street. And she goes, no, no, we'd have to ask the council. I go, oh, really? So this is a day for Aboriginal people to remember our elders past and present. You're an elder and you're telling me I've got to ask to cancel. I go, okay. And so we just, I walked away from her. As we're going past the park, there's gum leaves and everything there on the tree. So I went and grabbed a heap of gum leaves. So I'm walking down Burke Street, the march is behind me. I ran down in front of all of them and I've started this fire down there. And that elder, that, that old lady come up and said, you had to do it, didn't you? And I said, yeah, why not? Think out of the box, auntie. You know, what happened in these days here were um, when, the, when, the, when we started to get, when we got the visitors from overseas, um, we'll put on missions and stuff like that. And we were told what to do. And, you know, we had strong men and women that were hunters and gatherers. And then we're told, no, we're going to look after you. We're going to feed you the white bread, the white sugar, and all that stuff. And you depend on us now. You know, so I think that lady sort of had some sort of mission mentality where she's still thinking that she has to ask to do certain things but this is a special day it's a ceremony for aboriginal people to remember their elders and everything we've got young children there and they they loved it when i went down and done that smoking ceremony that because they started to ask uncle what are you doing there i said this is what we done here for thousands of years before the buildings and the concrete was here Right in this particular area, because all the water would have been coming down Burke Street, you know, would have, you know, it was just trees and everything, and rocks and everything, boulders and everything, and ducks and birds and stuff everywhere, all, the, all in this area. Um, we would have done a ceremony right here. And that's why I did it right there, on top of the concrete. But underneath the concrete was the dirt where we used to do it anyway. So what do we got to ask to cancel for? Stop thinking in the box, you know? We're all Australian people, and this is our culture, and that's what I've always been pushing now. There's not black and white in this country anymore. There's multicultural. There's Lebanese, there's Italians, there's Greeks, there's Chinese, there's Indians, there's Muslims, Christians, 
Hindus, we're all here together on this beautiful island that Aboriginal people have looked after for thousands of years. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of, of thousands, years. yeah. And we're all Australian people here now. And a lot of people come from different cultures with their languages and food and all that stuff. And we're sharing it. Why don't we share the culture that's in the country that you're living in? Well, we'd be doing a little bit better than mm. uh, how we're treating our land and yeah. world Yes. today. Yes. We're fucked if yes. we keep going this way. Yeah. Your culture yeah. survived for 200 yeah. however long yeah. in harmony. Yes. For thousands of years, I mean, they've, they've, they've lived in harmony. We've had visitors come here, change the way we're, we're thinking from the way we were with the language and the food and... And the, and the culture of the English. They've put that onto us. We're still here. So let's rekindle, uh, like when you're doing a fire, you put the kennel in first, you know, kindling, and then you put the big logs on, then you have a massive big, big fire. And we all sit around it together, and we look into the fire, and we tell stories. And why don't we just do things like that, come together and do um, big gatherings together as people from Australia learning about their culture that that's in their country that's what I believe storytelling yeah tell stories to the little people when they're growing up instead of being on that little square box looking at a uh, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, like a mobile phone into that you know the parents just give them the phone and put them in the corner the kids at long two three and four years old know how to use that phone better than me you know and that's not very good for their brain to develop. It's terrible. Yeah. You see parents going, just shut yeah. up. Here's yeah. the phone. Here's the phone. Instead of doing that, have a gathering with a group of your people from your own neighbourhood, like they used to do. You know, you put the bins at the front on the main street there and play cricket together or uncle or an auntie would have a barbecue going and, you know, men would be over in a certain circle talking about men's business and women would be over there talking about women's business. Where's that all gone? And then the neighbours, you go and ask them for a bit of bread or a bit of sugar or butter or you know your neighbors watch your house and you know and would talk to each other i think neighbors used to don't even talk to each other anymore mm. let's just i don't know where we're going with all of this i'm lucky where i live i've got yeah. good neighbors but have I, good? I have been in the situation yeah. where yeah neighbors don't want to know you. wow like, that's amazing yeah you know it's like it's yeah like, yeah i mean they're your neighbors love they neighbor yeah, love <laughs> neighbor. yeah. i will do as what they do they do to me <laughs> but anyway yeah, so um, it's all good. So, tell me, mm-hmm. New York. New York. Yeah. What do you want to know about New York? So, um, did you go? You, I remember because uh, did you go over taking your art over there? Because yes. I, I just have the visual of you playing your dig down at the sem- September 11. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then a police officer or something. Yeah. You said, "What's in the bag?" And I said, "It's a didgeridoo. It was in a long bag." It looked like a bazooka or something, you know. It was just not long after September 11. And he said, take it out of the bag. I took it out. He goes, do it slowly. So I took it out. And he goes, what do you do with that? I said, I'll play it. So I played it. And I started to play. He goes, oh, you're an Aborigine. And he goes, oh, you're right, dude. You know what I mean? Whatever he yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, I thanked him and that, you know, you know, for what the work that they've done and what they're doing. And it was a good, we had a good uh, time there. But I was doing an exhibition over there. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I do an exhibition at, at um, it was at the Jacob Javits Centre on 8th Avenue in Manhattan and had the opportunity to go into, into Harlem, into uh, 23rd Street, Malcolm X Boulevard, I think it was, yeah, over there. And I went to Apollo Theatre and I went to the museums over there and I seen a lot of their history for the way they were treated in that area at that particular time. Is it in the, is it in the museum? Um, did you see the thing where, is it Roosevelt? Yeah. Right? What? That should be the template of American yep. living. Right, it's no. one of the most beautiful things you've ever yeah, seen. I've never seen that, no. Well, I didn't see it when I was there. Yeah, it's far mm. from where their culture mm. is today, mm. but mm. what mm. his principles were back in, mm. I think it was the 30s or 40s, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And what was the lines under, like, coming together and stuff like that? Or? Yeah, it was definitely um, community-driven, mm. nature, mm-hmm. um, just, mm. yeah, good values mm. and... It's so just, it, yeah. you see how far we, we mm. shifted, I suppose. Is it, would you blame commerce, mm. Western culture, 
money greed i don't mm. know you know like at a point that they seem to be okay things because they give you drive and i get it because you know when we're growing up we're mm. like fuck communism mm. um mm. i want to be free mm-hmm. but mm. at some point it becomes mm. greed mm. and i still I wrestle with like what, mm. what is this line instant gratification yeah it's all the crap that the young people are watching on tv you know, those King Kardashians or what they're Kardashians. Kardashians, yeah. <laughs> they've got a lot to answer for. Yeah. They're very, very rich now. But I don't think they're very, very happy. No, no. No. Yeah. No. They're probably about as deep as a puddle. Mm. Mm. I mean, mm. I don't know them. That's mm. mean to mm. say because mm. I don't know mm. them. But. Mm. but I hear that uh, one of them there, I can't, don't know which ones they are, but one of them is starting to do a lot of things with the uh, rights of people in jails over in America, with the black people. The Kardashians. Yeah, apparently the 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 main one. I can't remember her name. The father. No, uh, the, who's the, the mother or the mother? No, not that one. No, no, the oldest daughter. Okay. Kim. Kim. Oh, Kim. Mm. <laughs> apparently, Kim's doing some stuff with her. She's got a black partner. That's against what's happening to the black people in America. There's over two million people locked up in America. Um, with their yeah. long sentences, they get like three hundred well, years and for growing a little, for having a little bit of marijuana or something like that. Was his business in that? Yeah, mm. Have you, there's a doco called the Sausage Factory or something, and it just talks about the business behind jails. Oh yeah, they could put a jail up in the middle of nowhere, then they put hotels around it, and they put McDonald's around it, and all the rest of it just keeps growing. Mm. Instead of trying to get to the source of why these people are going to jail, I don't think they want that because there's more money in locking them up. It's just privatised, and then uh, it's like a merry-go-round. They're going in and out, in and out, but you know, whatever. There's, there's another doco called Dharma Punks. Mm. And um, they take meditation to people on death row. Really? Yeah. Wow. You'd have to give me some, uh, what do you call it? Um, some, um, write these things down for me yeah, later. Yeah, I'll write them down for you for sure. And I'll, and I'll um, do it. I'll have um, a look at them. But it's fascinating, that sort of... Mm. But I don't know, man. The whole journey for me is just all about, you know, just, just staying in the now. Don't look too far into the future. That causes anxiety. Don't look too much in the past. That causes depression. And if you've got anxiety and depression, you're not really living today. People are too busy thinking about what they're going to get and what's going to happen in the future. 95% of the stuff they're thinking about in the future is not going to happen anyway. And you're doing what you're doing, he's thinking and her thinking. And I don't worry about you think about, I don't know what, I don't worry about what you think about me. I've got to worry about what I think about you. I want to think good for you. You know, if you're thinking bad things about me for what I'm doing or what, what, I, what my beliefs are, that's your issue, it's not mine. Just like when people tell me I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. That was your, that's your opinion, that's not my opinion. I'm gonna do what I need to do. Because I know what my motive is. You know, I don't know how long the people that are listening to this um, podcast think they're gonna live for. Um, we're here for a short time. So whatever we're doing in the day, let's do something good, yeah? Stop thinking about ourselves too much. There's people out there that aren't doing very well. There's people I see on the streets that, that are sleeping in, in, on the streets with just like a blanket or something like that. I can feel their, their pain and their coldness because I've done that, you know? And these people are on the streets and, that, and, they're, and they're cold and I don't know, there's, with the wealthy country that we've got, I don't think people should be sleeping on the streets. You know, there's too many people... The scales are too different in this country. And the sad thing is most of the people sleeping on the streets, are, it's most of the time they've slipped through the net mm. and it's mental health or, yeah. you know, they're yeah. not bad people. They yeah. just don't have the luck of having, like for me, myself, my family's been very supportive when, I've, when things have been hard yeah. and yeah. that's been a fallback for me. Yeah, good. Um, to get me back mm. on track. Mm. And, mm. But some people don't have that. And that's no, they sad. don't. If they're mentally ill mm. on top of that. Mm. 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 You're double fucked. That's right. But they shouldn't be double fucked because they should have people there, like a big brother or a, or a sister, to be there to help them people. Don't say, oh, that's not our brother and sister. Uh, well, they seem to have two arms and two legs and two eyes, two nostrils, two ears and a tongue to talk with. Why aren't we there to help them as a brother or a sister? Why do we think we're so different to those people on the streets? Those people could have went had from different issues from when they were kids and certain things might have happened to them and it's just warped their brain a little bit where they were not really sure because that probably could be their escape so they didn't have to go to think about the pain that they've been through and they've stayed in that state and now they'll end up on the streets. You know, that's a, that's a brother or a sister or, or a father or, or an uncle or a mother 
that's on the street that you're walking past that are sleeping on the street suffering. Even if you can't, you don't have to give them money, but just say hello to them, say hi, buy them a bottle of water or you know, give them some sort of advice or talk to your local council you know, because we're paying enough taxes to these people and talk to them and say to them, what can we do for these people that are on the streets? Because there's enough here on Ackland Street that I get to see. You know, yeah, I've been here for a while. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's real. Yeah, and if, you know, in the cities and, you know, Swanson Street and everything, they're all down there. I don't know, man. You can't just leave them there and then until they get into trouble and then lock them up, you know. I don't know why there's plenty of land on this country. Why can't we open up farms where people can go out and grow their own vegetables and, and cows and sheep and milk and all that? I don't know, just get out there and do well, something. Well, I think there's like a pop- population's problem. We're growing mm. too fast mm. and... We're yeah. having trouble yeah, knowing where the fuck this ship's going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we're all in, in the cities and stuff. Maybe spread it out a bit, you know. We, we've got enough land there. Um, I don't know. I reckon people that are listening to this should start thinking about opening up their own communities and talking to other people that are thinking the same way and start moving out of the cities and move out and start getting in touch with nature a bit more and uh, start making proper decisions for well, the future generations. A lot of my audience is down the mm. coast because I live down the coast. Mm. But there's a guy down there called Graham Stockton who mm. uh, is a bit conservationist. Um, yeah. What's the word? There's all those words. Environmentalist. Environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's travelled a lot as well mm-hmm. and seen a lot. And yep. just the message I got mm. from Graham is mm-hmm. you start local. Yeah. And yeah. you can make an effect in yeah. your local community. Yeah. And then other people can look in and yeah. see that that's then they go oh, that's a happy a community yeah and that's we can do that yeah on our level yeah and that yes. can grow yes yeah, like different tribes we used to have here in australia we got over 300 different dialects but we had the same purpose and that was to look after the land that you're on nobody owns this country we're all caretakers so 300 australia wide yeah uh, th- uh, 300 different languages 300 different languages yeah dialects yeah is there a crossover like there is with sort of spanish to Oh, there probably would be around in the centre. There would have been a lot of different people come from different tribes. Yeah. Um, because they would have traded different things. And the language was different, um, but they were trading like ochre and spearheads and, and all that sort of stuff, boomerangs and things like that. There must be such a mm. deep, rich mm. history. Mm. So much that we the kids aren't learning about in school. They're learning about Captain Cook, 230 years, whatever it is. Let's le- go back 5,000, oh, 10,000 10, years when, when Tasmania was joined to, us, to Melbourne. You know what I mean? We used to walk across there. They used to swim across there. They used to canoe across there, trade back and forwards from Tassie and Victoria. And then they go up into the centre all the way around the top into the Darwin and across the Broom and areas like that. It's a beautiful country, man. we just got to really think about what we're actually doing here. Get rid of your ego and start thinking about the future. So can I ask, because this is something that, like, you know, um, as a child, always loved hearing yeah. about was stuff to do with the dream time mm. and the rainbow yeah, serpent, serpent yeah. and bunyips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we lost the dog. We didn't lose the dog. Yeah. Dad made it disappear. Yeah. And he came home and told us, oh, he's going to have bacon and eggs with the bunyips up in the hills. Really? Yeah. And, oh, <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nah. So is that's just part of... Well, they're all, they're all uh, stories that we don't know really what happened in this country for thousands of years from different uh, st- stars that's out there that we look at at night time. You know, there's different planets out there. I'm sure we would have got visited by other people. Oh, for sure. And uh, because we've got those cave paintings to prove that. You know, the Aboriginal paintings that are around the, um, the central desert and top end of Darwin and all those areas. Hold on, I don't know about Yeah. This. Well, there's Mimi spirits and things like that with people with helmets on their heads and things like that really oh yeah so we would have we can only draw what we've seen and they seen what they've seen whether we believe that here or not it doesn't matter that was that's what that's the reality of of this island we are on an island and uh water all around us and uh but they didn't come from this planet they come from somewhere else and uh that's what i put my power my, my higher power is when things aren't going so well sometimes, I can look up into the sky mm. and look at all those stars and just think, you know, there's something else out there that can uh, that's, that can take this away from me right now, at, that, at the moment, that whatever I'm feeling. Don't have to take it into heart and think you're 
unique where it's only happening to you. Uh, I think we're all painted with the same brush, all of us, um, but we've just grown up in different homes. That's all. We all come from different uh, directions, but we're all in the same boat. And when something goes wrong with the planet, like tsunamis or tornadoes or droughts and things like that, we all come together at that time. It doesn't really matter if you're black, white, Christian, Muslim, whatever you are, we'll all come together at that particular time. And I think the time's coming again, because the technology that we've got going now has taken us too far away from reality of the human being being there for each other. We're all thinking that we're too different. We've got 2,000 people on Instagram, we've got 5,000 friends, we've got 20,000 friends. My friend... How my, many likes have you that's got? That's right, yeah. I've got a, an elder that told me if you've got five, you've got five fingers, if you've got five friends, real friends, that's worth more than a, than, a, than a thousand. Because they're there for you when you really need it. You know, the ones that are, when they're feeling a bit down, you can, you know, ask those 5,000 people, help me out of this situation because it's depressing, they don't want to know about it, you know? So if you've got five people that you know, out of, out of the five, one will come to you and help you through that moment because that moment only, nothing lasts forever that, with the feeling, it will pass. Um, but you've got to uh, have the strength within you and have the people to talk to to be able to get through that. Yeah. I, I love... Um, the thought that we were just we went over a little bit, but when you think into the universe and you think, okay, well we've been kicking around here, you know, yeah. we can go back two hundred thousand. Mm. Yep. Um, and then if you look at how quickly we fucked it up in two hundred, mm. um, and then you go, there's how many planets out there? Planets out there. Yeah. And there could be, well, there's going to be a planet that has probably evolved so yeah. far. Well, I think they're watching us. And they're, they're, we're like the guinea pigs for them. To, we're showing them um, uh, all the things that they shouldn't be doing. So we're like their guinea pigs. Um, so, yeah, I think something like that's going on. Or do you on. think they probably have evolved through our state to a higher state and then they're yeah. like, oh, they're back at that point. They've got a ways to go to come to here. Yeah, or we probably won't make it to where they are um, because yeah. we're, um, we're uh, just fucking this up, this one, what we've got here. We've got the opportunity to do it and come together as, as one, all of us together. But um, I think we're fucking it up, yeah. So, um, changing gears, when you when you were first given a paintbrush mm. and a canvas, yep. was it a paintbrush and canvas or was it? It was, yeah. I was, at a, um, I was actually working at a rehab. I was there for a s weekends working there and this art studio, the art teacher was there on the Friday. She left some canvas and paints out. I was getting a bit bored, so I picked up the brush and I started to paint and something come out of it. And then on the Monday she come to, to work where I was and she goes, who done this painting? I said, I did. And she goes, would you like to sell it? And I went, do you want to buy it? And she goes, yeah. She, she gave me $120 for it. And I thought, gee, this is okay. And then I started to paint from that point onwards because I was young back then. I thought, this would be good for the money and stuff, yeah? Because I'm, you know, I'm from the streets, I've you know, seen a dollar, so I thought I'll take the opportunity and I'll go with it. But today's a lot different. It's not about the money anymore. It's about the people that connect with it and how it's going to go into their home and it's going to stay in their home for maybe 100 or 200 years from now. You know, Someone will say, 200 years from now, my great-grandfather bought that of this man called Yaramunya in a gallery in St Kilda. And um, he told my, my great-grandfather it was a journey for love, wisdom and freedom. And, and that's what I think will happen. So I'm putting something in today that will last well after I'm gone where people can still talk about it. And that's a good thing to do as a human to uh, share their experience, strength and hope with others. Well, you're just adding value. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, does, does each painting have a, a story or do you, how would you stream, stream your, uh, what I'm looking for, the word inspiration? What's yeah. Also, I've had ex, um, ex, what was it? Expert, ex, what was it? What did you say? Uh, was that word? Inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> I've been inspirations by lots of different things. Yeah. Like at the start, it was the money. Yeah. And then that passed, and then it was about the people that I met, and the people I didn't meet, and I just painted, and I let the painting create itself. So when the people that connected with it, when they seen it, it was meant to be for them. 
So it's an emotional resonance. Yeah, and it's an emotional thing when people buy them as well. You just, you just tell the story. You could tell the story to 10 people. One of them will connect with it out of 10. And it was meant for that person. It wasn't meant for the other nine. It was meant for that first, for that number one. It was like when I got sober on the 5th of August, 1993. I didn't get it on the 4th or the 6th. I got it on the 5th. And that's where my journey started. The same as when someone connects with a painting. If they connect with it, it's theirs. And it was just happened to be that I painted it and they connected with it and that's how it works which is a, which is a good thing yeah which is great <clears throat> it's it's tying it's mm. I mean it goes with your ethos of that's being right. the moment staying in today yeah and yeah um, and, and the serendipity yeah higher power take care yeah and they will connect there certainly is a higher power out there mm. If you're listening and you think you're the higher power, good luck. If it's the air that I'm breathing, I'm sure you didn't create it. So I'm saying to the people that aren't doing well... Well, air is our yes. higher power and we breathe we, yes. without it. Fuck. Yeah, that's right. So I think our higher power as a whole is the air that we breathe. And if we keep fucking up with the land and disrespecting it, Mother Earth, she'll let us know. And when that day comes... All the Rolls Royces and all the gold and all the money in the world won't buy you air. You're going to have to go to another planet. And I think that's why they want to go to Mars now. Yeah. <laughs> or wherever the hell they think they're going to go from this one. Why do you want to go somewhere else when you've got, when you got, when you got it all here? We're all in the Garden of Eden right now. All we have to do is share it. Stop chopping down trees. That's it. Fuck. Stan, yep. I want to say thank you so much for your yep. time. It's been a pleasure. And good luck yep. on Mystery Road. Yes. And with all your other future endeavours, and I look forward to yep. seeing you around the traps. For sure, brother. See you, mate. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, well, there you have it. There was my chat with Stan Yaramanu. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, now, what's the take? What is the take? So... I think the take is, if you're feeling, well, not flash about yourself or life or what you don't have, which I can relate to sometimes when I bring out the pity party, all I've got to do is go out and make someone else's life a little bit better. Um, and, and, and by being selfish... Helping someone else for the pure fact that's going to make me feel better. And when you feel better, you attract better things. And it's such a fucking oxymoron, isn't it? It's like when you're feeling low and down, it's so difficult to get out and fucking want to help anyone else. It's like, where's mine? But I think that is the trick. We are community. We are connected. Get out there. And, uh, you know, like Damo Cole does, help a little old lady across the road. I'm being a bit facetious, but he did do it and he did it well. Um, I hope you are all well, wherever you are, whoever you are. Um, thanks so much for listening. Um, super appreciate it. And um, Stan, if you're listening, thank you so much for the time. Uh, really loved coming up and seeing your gallery and meeting you. Uh, look forward to seeing you down the road. And all the best. All right. Arrivederci, amigos. Amigos.